0: to talk about uh, circumstances today. Um, in a earlier life when, oh, my name's Dick Greenlee, by the way, for those that may not know. I didn't get my little name tag this morning. I forgot to go to my dutiful wife and get it. But um, when we were at our former church, um, our girls were little. Uh, Terry'd get one of them ready, and then I'd I'd go and pick up the uh, hyper experienced older people, little low ladies that were around and that couldn't make it to church. So I'd bring our little girl who was all dolled up and everything. They loved that seeing that. So I'd go pick them up, and uh, you know I thought, well, this is probably a good thing that I should that I'm doing this. They really enjoyed it. They liked obviously coming to church, and so I was had I picked up a couple. And I was helping this other sweet little lady into the van and got the stool down, got it picked up. I said, you all set? I'm all set, honey. And I shut the door and I went around to the other side and she says, honey, you slammed my hand in the door. (laughs) Oh! So I'm, I'm just panicking. I run around, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna open this door and there's gonna be four fingers that fall off. This is awful. I'm trying to do the right thing. Oh no. Scared to death. And I opened the door and she goes, It's fine, honey. It doesn't hurt at all. And it didn't. It didn't make a mark or anything. And my heart's just racing. So, anyway, that's one of those where you try to do the right thing and it just kind of heads south. And so, that's what you and I are trying to do today. We're trying to do. You know the right thing to seek God's will, um, and then circumstances happen. you know, and all of us can kind of relate to that where we're we're trying to do the right thing, and then stuff happens, circumstances uh, happen. so and both good and bad, good stuff can happen, and you wonder, you know is, is this an opportunity I should take advantage of? So what happens with that job offer? You know, what do we do with it? What do we do with the opportunity to retire? Do you take it, do you not take it? Um, A career change, you know, um, or bad news, what happens when we get that news, that bad news of health or finance, or we're in the bad news of a a bad relationship, because we're all there, and these are all circumstances that are in our life, and we're supposed to do stuff with those circumstances, and we're supposed to be a particular way in those circumstances. So, we're going to talk about that today. So, in 1982, that's in the 1900s. Uh, I, I love to say that. Oh, back in 04, we get to say that now. Way back in 04. So, back in the 1900s, in 1982, I graduated. Uh, from Oklahoma State University you know last year last year at OU at Owen Stadium, they didn 't serve ice, and I was like, "Why are you not serving ice?" And they said, "Well, the grad student that had the formula graduated. <laughs> yeah, Hank. <laughs> So I graduated. I was graduating with a degree in geology, and uh, my wife had already graduated, and uh, she was pressuring me, believe it or not, because I'm in my fifth year, and I thought you're supposed to take five years to graduate. And she's like, "Let's go to a movie tonight." She was living in Stillwater Drive in Oklahoma City uh, for her accounting job. Um, Let's go to a movie tonight. And I'm like, I got to study. What are you studying? Structural geology. Didn't you study that last night? What's wrong with you? (laughs) And so the pressure's on to graduate, you know, and so we're building a house. It's it's our final semester, my final semester. She's graduated. We got a loan. To the loan company, we took my transcript that said geology, geology, geology. They gave us a loan on her job and the promise that I was going to be a geologist. This is 1982. And so the guidance guidance people that try to get you a job so they can brag that all their graduates are placed said, you're supposed to write letters to the oil companies. Okay, so... Dear Chevron. So I write these letters and then and then you lick the envelope up and, and stick the stamp on it and then mail it. And then wait. I don't even know how we did it back then. I mean I hit send on my email, I'm like, why aren't they replying? <laughs> And so, and this was just driving me crazy, one week, two weeks, three weeks. So I'm like, well, nobody's answering me back. Well, it's going to take some time, and, I'm, and spring break's coming up, so I'm six weeks away from graduating, and this is just unacceptable. And I keep talking to my guidance person, and he's like, no, just be patient. I'm like, there's no way. So I go make a copy of 75 resumes. I was very optimistic, and on uh, spring break, I went downtown Oklahoma City, um, and, and, uh, and went to the tallest building because I figure that's the highest rent and they must be the fanciest company, go into the foyer and start writing down the name, of, and name and room number, office number of anything that had oil or energy or oil and gas in the name of it, starting at the top floor because they probably pay the highest rent and they can probably afford more. This is a 22-year-old mind <laughs> thinking. Actually, I was probably 21 then, wasn't I? Yeah, twenty-one. I don't know how she did it. So, I'd go up to the. I went to the first interview, and I'm like, "Yeah, can I help you? Yeah, um, Mr. Johnson? In Johnson, your exploration manager? It's Mr. Williams. Oh, that's right. I got confused. Is, is Mr. Williams in? Because I heard they're looking for exploration geologists, and I'm going to be graduating, and wonder if I could just speak to him." I got sixty five interviews that week and ended up with four job offers yeah, I'm a genius so <laughs> i take I take the job on one of the high floor building people, the nineteenth floor is where their office was uh and I take the job it's it's my dream job um my aunt and uncle send me a briefcase uh going so I got a briefcase well i'm going up in the elevator with my briefcase, and I, the only briefs I know I'm wearing, and I don't really have anything to put in it, so my beautiful wife baked me some banana bread, so I've got banana bread in my <laughs> briefcase, and then I'm like, I got to put something in it, so I put the Yukon Review newspaper in it, so I never forget this. I'm sitting on the going up 19, please, and I hit 19, and I'm dressed up, and all these business people are there. I got my briefcase with my banana bread in it, and I'm heading up to the 19th floor. Never forget that in my, in my life. But uh, so I work as an exploration geologist for six months, and then I heard it was big news that this little bank failed, Penn Square Bank. I'm like, who cares? So what? Big deal. Whoa, was that ever a big deal? So my boss comes in, and he's all moping around, and he goes, we're $200 million in debt, and we can't make our interest payment this month, and we're going to have to lay you off. And this is six months in. We got a mortgage payment, and we had a cat by that time, didn't we? (laughs) And I'm like, so... How is my $2,400 per month going to help that? He goes, I don't know. We're just supposed to lay people off, and you're the last one in. Sorry. And he was—he felt just terrible about it. And you can have the corporate jet. You can fly around, use the credit card, go make interviews, just use us as a resource. And uh, So anyway, I lost my job, got another job at a, another oil company pretty like within two hours, and this is somebody that I'd turned down previously on one of those other job offers. <laughs> And then about two years later, uh, Terry's dad uh, wanted me to come to work at Pumps of Oklahoma, this pump company, because I wanted to do prospects. I wanted to drill for oil and gas because I'm a geologist. And that's what geologists do is we drill for oil and gas. So I end up at Pumps of Oklahoma, and I, I was in hell. I was in career hell. I was relegated to career hell. The only thing missing was brimstone and pitchforks. And I, I went from meetings at the Petroleum Club and fancy schmancy uh, lawyer meetings and, and prospect meetings with other engineers and geologists to, hey, go gather up everybody's lunch order and go to Del Rancho. Because <laughs> I was the new boy, emptying the garbage, you know, the big drum garbage cans, going, delivering pipe to Oilton, Oklahoma. I was in hell. It was, I, what, did I, what have I done? This was the most awful thing um, that, I, that I could ever imagine. Well, I eventually developed a prospect, went not lease the land, raised the money, drilled the well. I'm sitting on the well, and uh, it's hitting the, the right formation tops. Everything's good. We land the well where we should. There's oil in the samples. This is my ticket out, baby. I'm gonna make it. This is it. I didn't make enough oil out of that well to do an oil change. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, at fast forward 21 years or so from that time, and we have the opportunity to purchase the pump company. Started Water 4 in 2008 out of that pump company. We'll hit, this year, Water 4 we'll hit 5,000 wells that we've drilled. A couple million people um, have gotten water. Um, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> now, it's, it's God, okay? Hundreds of thousands of people uh, get to hear the gospel, you know, every year. Um, but here I am fighting against this every step of the way for 19 years of that 21 it was awful um and it's almost like you know you, you hear god's whisper no nah, he shoved a ring through my nose and was pulling me <laughs> to the right spot so what's so what's the deal with that with those circumstances well Oswald Chambers, one of my favorite guys, he writes about um, circumstances, and he says, The circumstances of a saint's life are ordained of God. In the life of a saint, there's no such thing as chance. God, by his providence, brings you into circumstances that you can't understand at all, but the Spirit of God understands. God brings you to places among people and into certain conditions to accomplish a definite purpose through the intercession of the Spirit. All of your circumstances are in the hand of God, and therefore, you don't ever have to think they're unnatural or unique. That's, all, that's my utmost on November 7th, if you want to look at that. So all the circumstances of the saint's life are ordained of God, and sometimes we don't know it. We're in the middle of it, like me fighting. Um, I mean, it, it's so You can't imagine as a geologist. We, we get oil. Well, I went to a water company. If you find water when you're a geologist, that's just bad. You've missed it. You know, you, you're well watered out, you know. And here I am fighting it. Um, But if if we understand that the circumstances of a saint's life are ordained of God and in the life of a saint there's no such thing as chance and God by his providence brings you into circumstances that you can't understand at all. So if you look at um, Ephesians uh, 2.10, you look at Ephesians 2:10, it's um, it's on your handout. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Terry and I run a nonprofit. We believe in a hand up, <laughs> not a handout. Okay. Okay. Ephesians Ephesians 2:10 says that we're God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if you look at how that's translated, workmanship is um, work of art. That we're, That's what Deidre Franklin says, that we're God's work of art. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at If you look at Psalm, there's not an S on the end of that, Psalm. So I'm looking right here. Psalm 139, because I always used to say Psalms 139, but anyway. Psalm 139, 14. Um, Psalm 139, 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That word wonderfully means distinctly, (coughs) distinctly made. Um, Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Man, God knew about this today, us, the circumstances that we're in. He had it all planned out. we God's work of art. And he knew about our time that he ordained, it says, for us on earth. And so, why do we get all twisted off when circumstances come? Because I do. I don't, I don't know how she, she, Terry put up with me. Um, so, he create, God created us individually. He slotted a time for us. To show up on earth, he prepared stuff for us to do. I, I think we forget that as believers, as Christ followers, that He's got stuff for us to do. We're not just sitting here static, and then just things just come to us. He has things for us to do, He ordained things for us to do, and those things happen through the different circumstances that come about us in life and we can respond correctly and good to that, or we can respond poorly, which I still am in the habit of doing, of responding poorly to the different circumstances. Um, and, the, and the good news is, is he has this stuff for us to do, and he's cheering us on. Come on, Dick, come on, you can do this. He's cheering us on to, to be, to become, to do those things that he's put in our life. Um, I, for whatever reason, almost every time I teach, I gravitate to John 10, uh, 10, I don't know why I just do, but you know, uh, it's Jesus, um, talking to his folks saying the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And it appears that those two don't go together at all. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's a distinct thought. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. So the, if you put those together, the implication is the thief is trying to steal the stuff, our abundant life, the things that God has for us to do. The thief's trying to take that from us. And when we don't live in that abundant life, which God has ordained from us, for us since the beginning of the world. world, That's a a victory for the thief. That's a victory for the devil to steal from us. That abundant life that he's he's cheering us on and rooting us on to have, that abundant life to come that we might have life to the fullest. He continues to write, um, John continues to write about Jesus in John 15, 8, uh, where he says, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples in John fifteen eight. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See how it's all kind of lining up that, the, that we're supposed to be doing stuff. We're not supposed to just be sitting here aging <laughs> like a pear or a peach. Terry always buys peaches, hoping it's going to be the perfect peach. We got this. We had a customer and a supplier down in Ada, Oklahoma, and he goes, man, the peaches are great. I'll bring you some bushels. He brought us like two bushels of peaches, and they were just humongous, and you eat them, and they're just juice running everywhere. And that's the gold standard of peaches. So now we're at Walmart, and she's like, is this a good one? You know, and we always buy them. She actually returns fruit back to Sam's. This is no good. There's a Seinfeld on that. When you, when you buy fruit, it's a, it's a gamble. You just take it or leave it. Now, how we got on that one? Man, I love meandering. So, oh, yeah, we're not supposed to be just static with our roots in. We're supposed to take these circumstances and go and do and become and live our life to the fullest. Um, and then in 2 in Chronicles, okay, who wrote 2 Chronicles? Terry? Theoretically, maybe, possibly, Ezra. Ezra, I, I didn't know. So I, I on the way over here, I'm like, who wrote 2 Chronicles? Instead of just saying the author of Chronicles. <laughs> sounds real brainy when you say Ezra. Anyway, 2 uh, Chronicles 16.9. Second Chronicles 16, nine, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Can you see that? Can you see God looking? Oh, there's one. Ranging throughout the earth to strengthen. The, oh, you got this? Come on to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So what does it take to tap into, this, to, into God's strength? According to Chronicles, full commitment. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He, has, he knew about our time on earth, he knew it was going to be tough. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm here to strengthen you and make sure that you live your life abundantly, that you live your life to the fullest. That's what he wants for us. That's exactly what he's looking for. Um, and and, and it's, what, it's exactly what we're doing here this morning. It's what you guys are doing. You want that or you would not be here you'd be off doing something else on a beautiful sunday morning you're here in the place where you, you don't want to be anywhere else you're doing it and this is what we're supposed to be doing um is is that committing to god that that full commitment that he wants from us so what is it that sidetracks me from this powerful life of full commitment? Because I know it intuitively. I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But what sidetracks me from it? Just circumstances. Stuff. Stuff happens. Things come. Distractions. What we call distractions, what God calls circumstances, happen uh, to us. Um, Becoming relegated to career hell because some stupid little bank failed. Um, And I lost my dream job with my briefcase and banana bread. And our church that we went to at that time never could seem to quit fighting. I mean, that's literally what I thought you did Until until we came here to Crossings. In fact, one of the deacons from our former church believe it or not, was shipwrecked, weirdest thing ever, shipwrecked on a deserted island. And years and years went by, and he was finally rescued, and the captain of the ship comes, and he goes, right, let me get a let me get a few of the things out of my hut. So he goes to his hut, and the captain goes, why three huts? And he goes, well, the one is where I live, the second one is my church. And he goes, well, what about the third? Well, we had a church split. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the church that we came from. So this is serious business. Come on. So um, becoming uh, relegated to career hell, Penn Square Bank folds. I lose my job. Our church can't seem to quit fighting. Um. We're forced to try crossings ooh, as a last resort. In in two 'ot in four is when we came. Yeah, um, water four starts three years later. Are you kidding me? I mean, is that not that's just uh, it's just so good that what you think is is going to be disastrous. And then look, Look! is this not an awesome church? This is just the best church ever. It's these circumstances um, where we're forced to come to crossings. And we were pretty much done with church after that. I mean, we weren't done with God. But, I mean, if church was what we'd experienced, that wasn't fun at all. Um, remember, the circumstances of a saint's life are ordained by God. In the life of a saint, there's no such thing as chance. And the and the then the good thing about it is you can miss it. God, has, God loves us so much, and he knows that we're flawed human beings, and you can miss it. I mean, good Lord, I missed the thing for how long? Where I was just obstinate in I'm in career hell, I'm not a geologist, blah, 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 I'm selling pumps, blah, blah, blah. And then something beautiful comes out of that. A guy wandered in my office in OTT 4, and he was an engineer with an oil company, and they had a titanium dioxide release in Dotham, Alabama, never forget. And so that's what we did, is we still, we supply remediation equipment uh, to help environmental cleanup stuff. So this guy's a PhD engineer. Give it up, man. Get a degree and go on. PhD engineer. I I barely, barely squeezed four years of education into five. So, um, So he's in my office. We're talking about titanium dioxide remediation. And he's and about three or four times, and I'm like, I know this isn't the most riveting subject, but am I boring you? He goes, oh, sorry. He said, I just flew in from Taiwan this morning. I'm out of vacation, so I had to just come to work. I'm like, what are you doing in Taiwan? And he goes, I was planting churches. And I said, oh. I mean, this is my old church coming out of me. I'd like to go on a mission trip sometime. (laughs) Knowing that where I came from, mission trips were um, you do a vacation Bible school in Juarez, Mexico, and then the the men go and paint the pastor's house for the 55th coat of paint on that pastor's house. And I was kicked out of, Bible, out of uh, vacation Bible school because they had me teaching the little boys one time, and we're supposed to do this felt board thing, which I didn't know what was, of Jericho and the walls coming down. I'm like, guys, this is just stupid. Come on, let's march around the vacation Bible school and shout, and let's see if we can bring the walls down. Well... I get kicked out, giving them, here's some suckers, let's go, you know, so I'm not allowed to do vacation Bible school, so in my mind, that was a mission trip, and I was never going to go on a mission trip, 45 years old, I'm not going to go on a mission trip, because that's what mission trips are, and he goes, and he goes, really, you want to go on a mission trip, and I'm like, no, but yeah, yeah, yes, I'd like to go on a mission trip, Mr. Engineer, Um, he's such a good guy, anyway. Um, He goes, okay, well, you have solar pumps. Let's go to China and plant churches, uh, go into remote villages, putting the solar pumps in. We can plant churches everywhere we go, and you can be the wealthy industrialist to the Chinese government, and so that'll give us a reason to be there. And I'm like, okay, what happened to our titanium dioxide spill that we can, you know, clean up? And he just starts talking about that, and he goes, okay, we have to get a uh, official invitation from the Chinese government, and I'm like, do you know anybody in the Chinese government? No. And then we have to make contact with the house church. Um, I said, do you know anybody in the house church? No. So I'm like, okay, this is never going to happen. And as a good former church member, I get all the credit for saying I want to go do something and don't have to do it. It's like it's like visitation. Did everybody, anybody ever go to visitation like that? Okay, well, here's how you do visitation. You walk up to the door really quietly, and you go, I don't think anybody's home. Let's go. And that way you can write down on your piece of paper that you went to 125 Maple Street. I might be a little unfair there, but that, it was just, ooh, visitation. Do you know if you died tonight that you would go to heaven? Get out of here. I'm eating dinner. Where was I? China. That's right. Sorry. Another rabbit hole. David knows about the rabbit holes I go down. Isn't it fun? Um, So, uh, China, mission trip, uh, and so you don't know anybody, and this, this guy's Taiwanese, so he's fluent in Mandarin Chinese. He came from Taiwan, and that was his heart, to go to China and plant churches. Well, so he leaves, and I'm thinking that's the last of that. I mean, official invitation from the Chinese government? Are you kidding me? Make contact with the underground church? That sounds like something, you know, real clandestine. Well, four months later, I wake up in a hut Uh, with some pigs right next to me in southern China, about 150 miles north of Hanoi, in the poorest of poor parts of China. Um, 31 days in China over the next uh, two years, um, a dozen solar pumps installed in villages, whole villages coming to Christ from that that circumstance. And three years later, water force starts. Out of that one circumstance of a guy wandering in my office and yawning, that's what happens. The circumstances of a saint's life are ordained by God, and in the life of a saint, there's no such thing as chance. It's just, it's just breathtaking what happens, and even if you miss it, and I still miss stuff all the time where I, I'm obstinate, I'm out of God's will, I'm not doing the right things, and I just miss it. Something comes into my life, and I just get aggravated instead of kind of doing the jujitsu and going with it. I just get aggravated and try to go up against it. And that's all of us probably, I think. But as I age out, I'm trying to understand that when I'm, when I'm on the highway and I get a flat tire, oh, this is a good thing. But you know, when a long time ago, um, a bridge on i-40 collapsed and it killed like eight people. Remember that? What had to happen for those eight people to be on that bridge at that very certain time? I mean, that's just like, "Oh, I forgot my keys." And you go and you get your keys and you delay 30 seconds, and now you're on the bridge, or now you're not on the bridge. That's the kind of things that, that go through my, my brain. Um, that there's not chan- there 's not chance so what what if we could look at the various circumstances uh, good or bad um, in our lives through the lens of God knows? What if we could look at those circumstances in in, in that lens that that God knows and that he 's not inattentive or uncaring? In fact, God loves us beyond measure. Um, Remember, we learned in here from our wonderful teacher Cliff that um, God is good and he can be trusted. So when these circumstances flood into our life, good or bad, that we know that God is good. That's his nature Um, with Moses, he, he said, um, I want to see your glory, and God said, I'll put you in this rock, and I'll let my goodness pass by. That's his nature. God can only be good, and he's he loves us, and he can be trusted that he put us in these various different circumstances that we're in right now, good and bad, but it's just the matter of our attitude. The The worst job I ever had in my life is the job I have right now. The best job I ever had in my life is this job that I had right now. And and the only difference was um, attitude. What was my attitude towards that? Same, doing the same stuff, selling water pumps and oil and gas stuff. (laughs) No. Hey, I got you Chick-fil-A the other day. (laughs) Come on. But um, it's, so it's, it's the same thing. It's just, what's our attitude towards the different things that are towards us? And we're not supposed to be static. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be moving. We're supposed to be doing stuff. If you get static, it's a pond. Remember, rivers, rivers of life will flow out of us. It doesn't say ponds, where you get the pond scum. And that's where it's, it gets bad is where you start getting pond scum on you. Ooh. I got pond scum on me. Um, so, if we can if we can understand that that how good God is, and I think we have to take an enormous amount of time figuring that out, that God is good and He can be trusted, because otherwise, when you get that news that your sister died, or you get, the, you get the news at a, at a, at a young age that your sister's dead at 33 and you have to tell your parents. How awful is that? When you get the news um, that they're going to have to take your lung out and you're 29 years old, yuck. That doesn't sound like it's very good. Or you lost your job or all the different circumstances that happen. And what do you do with that if you don't know that God is good? What do you do with that if you can't trust God? If you think that things are just off the rail? What happens with that? And so I think that's where we as followers of Jesus need to look to Jesus, to that relationship with him. And the only way that we can know that God is good and he can be trusted is to have that beautiful, personal daily relationship with Jesus. It's the only way that we can get that experience to know that God can be trusted and that he is good and that he has our very best. There's not a person on earth that he doesn't have the very best for and want us to live that abundant life. But unfortunately the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And if we don't have our guard up, if we're just kind of meandering through life and, getting, and reacting to circumstances that come instead of responding to them. We're, it's just going to be a series of reaction to reaction to reaction. And you know what happens when you react poorly and then you make a bad decision, then another bad decision comes on top of that. So that's kind of the only way through that is that, is that beautiful, perfect, uh, ongoing relationship with Jesus Daily knowing him and, and loving him and knowing that he can be trusted um, and you're not going to do it all the time i just, I, just, I mess up all the time where i don't respond well to a circumstance well god you're not that's not it then god goes whoop you're done you're out of there no it's just it just moves to the next it moves to the next thing but you have to recognize it and move along and that's where that per, close personal relationship the coming here And listening to Cliff, coming to worship um, and living our lives in accordance with how Jesus would want it, that's where now we can respond to these different circumstances that we come about. So um, we talk about, uh, last time I was here, maybe last time, I don't know. Uh, We talked about uncertainty and how upset and twisted off we become when we start focusing on the uncertainties in our life instead of putting our focus on God and his absolute love for us and how he can be trusted and how he is good uh, to us, um, it's kind of the same thing with circumstances. Um, that, that we have to understand and focus on uh, the goodness that God has for us in that circumstance. and it could be a terrible circumstance. We've all had the calls where the tough stuff comes. We're probably in the middle of it right now on some of it. And it's how we respond to that. In Philippians chapter one, uh, verse three, Philippians one three, That he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion. And that's that trust that we have to build in our relationship with God. That he began a good work in you and he's gonna see it through. He's not gonna just hang off, cut it off, and say, Sorry, see you, you didn't do something right. He's gonna see it to completion um, in both good circumstances and bad. And that's where there's no substitute other than Bible study and prayer and fellowship and witnessing. There's no substitute from that from gaining your relationship with Jesus, gaining that confidence in him that he is good and that he can be trusted. There's no substitute other than time with him. So that when the tough times come, he is good, he can be trusted, and being confident that he who began a good work in you will carry to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So God made you and I. um, I have in my notes me and you. (laughs) God made you and I. um, And he he destined for the perfect time for our appearance in history and, and he loves us beyond measure. He destined, according to Psalm 139, he destined for our time on earth, the perfect time in history. So this kind of stuff really interests me. So do you know how many people have lived on earth in the history of earth? All of them. Correct. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So they estimate that there's been 105 billion people that have lived on earth in the history of earth. And right now there's 7.2 billion or something like that. So you ever wonder why God didn't make you for the dark ages? Why you showed up here in, in this era? Cause I mean, I certainly would have done well with my great, 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 great grandfather, King Darius of Persia. Related, and then the wise men. I'd have been good in that era, too. I'd have been like the fourth wise man on the camel, boom, 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 like that, because I'm Persian, and of course I'm related to those. So I'd have been cool with that, being born in that area. But why am I born in this era? Why? Why right now? Why? Why is now the time I'm appearing um, on Earth? um i mean i it, it's i'm one out of 105 billion so why now is do i really believe this is chance and you know we have to put a lot of energy into believing that we're here for a purpose and that we got stuff to do because it's really easy to just switch it off and start going zombie style and just going through the motions of life it's really easy to get into that rut and i do And then when circumstances come, because I had this planned, I get aggravated when stuff happens to get in the way of that. Um, So it takes a tremendous amount of energy to believe that you were created for 2019. And many of the people that achieved great things in history and in Scripture, it happened after 60 years old. And it's a shame that we think we hit that age and now we're just dialing it down until they have our services. Wow, well, those lovely services. Somebody asked me, we, I went to a funeral of a guy we knew, and the secretary asked me, well, how was it? And I'm like, he didn't make it. <laughs> and he didn't. So that's kind of our, our destiny, but there's no reason that we can't be hitting on all cylinders when we go out of here. There's no reason to, to all the experience that we're gaining, all the gray hair that we got, should be for a purpose so that we can keep building on to the kingdom of heaven. And that only happens by furthering our personal relationship with Jesus every single day so that when these circumstances come, that God made me and you and destined us for the perfect time. He destined us for this perfect time to appear in history. That just blows me away. He destined us. We could have been born any time. He destined us for this time right now, for us to be here together today, and he loves us beyond measure. He knows, he knows absolutely about each and every one of our circumstances right now. He knows about that. And he's given us the tools to prevail. Each one of us has the tools to prevail. But it's up to us to persevere and to finish strong and to flourish as God's children. It's up to us because if we don't put the energy into into that personal relationship daily with Jesus, we're going to miss the mark in a lot of cases. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us. Remember, God's good. He is love, and he can be trusted. So when you mess up, you just mess up. You confess and go on. We're going to talk about that um, when, we talk, uh, when we start teaching about uh, 1 John, about the, the life and in, in power that we're supposed to be having and the assurance and the confidence that we're supposed to have with our personal relationship with Jesus. And he's given us these tools to do this, um, So, this week, as we go on, think about a particular circumstance in your life, uh, right now or in the past. And you, you all have them, and I'm sure you're all thinking about them right now. A particular circumstance, good or bad, that was in your life. And how has... God used that circumstance? How can God use that circumstance to, to establish and build and fortify who you are in Jesus? I look back at, at with, a lot, with some regret, I try not to have too many regrets, but I look back at the regret of those 20 some odd years where I was just griping all the time because I was in career hell. 20 years! I mean, it wasn't every day. Was it every day? It wasn't every day. But what could have happened had I had a better attitude with this circumstance that I was thrown into? And I look at at at, at the at the beauty of water four and what it's cre- what it's creating and is creating. I mean, we're going to the United Nations again in in August. Are you, can you believe that? That's just crazy. I mean, we're I'm just a gooberhead. Well, I mean, what that'll tell you something about the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> but think about this week, think about this particular circumstance. Write it down. Talk to God about it, um, and how He can use that circumstance, how maybe you didn't worry, maybe you missed the mark a little bit. Maybe there's another circumstance that God can use, and um, to fully engage with God right now in every circumstance, to just fully engage with God about the different things that are in and out of our lives today. So do that this week. Think about that thing. Write that circumstance down, how you may have kind of done something a little bit differently, a little better, or the circumstance that you're in right now, and maybe you're reacting a little quickly, but, hey, God knew about this. He hasn't, he hasn't been taken by surprise on this. And let's see if we can't make this week into something really special. So let's, let's pray and we'll go away. Father we're just grateful um, that you love us. we're grateful for your grace and your mercy, Lord, you're so good to us. We just praise you and we love you and Lord, you know each one of us and you know our circumstances and you know how we respond sometimes, Lord, and we're sorry for that when we don't when we don't respond correctly. and um, God just look at our hearts right now, each of us here, We're here this morning, Lord, because we want to get to know you better. We do want that personal relationship with you. So help us in that. Show us, Lord, what you want us to do in these circumstances. Each of us are going out tomorrow to our jobs and to our activities through life, Lord. And we just want that close relationship with you. Look at our hearts. You know that's what we want. So just help us in that. And help us as we go that we can just show people you, that we can show people Jesus in the different things that we do. Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. I I thank you for this time that we get to go worship you. And I just pray that you're with us today and the rest of the evening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.